This is the Life Church Podcast. All right. Well, today it's. Do you have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah. We had a great Thanksgiving. I had all my family. My daughter, okay, daughter Caitlin, I'm going to have her stand. Now she doesn't want to do that, but I'm going to have her stand because her mom said I should say this. Caitlin and Kendall. Come on, Kendall. Kendall's. Yeah, okay. They are actually, they're visiting from Colorado Springs. They're cadets. Both of them are cadets at the Air Force Academy. And, and uh, yeah. There, see, now they clap for you. Not because you're my daughter, but because you're a cadet at the Air Force Academy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yes, we're, we had a great Thanksgiving, all the family at our house. And uh, uh, I fried a turkey. I heard this morning that my daughter Snapchatted me frying the turkey in the garage. <laughs> And then it went out. And so everybody's asking me, says, you're not supposed to do that. You know, so you're going to burn your house down. So, uh, yeah, we'll just keep going. Uh, we'll decide what we're going to do from then on. <laughs> it's, you know what, if, if it was a little bit warmer outside, I would do it outside. But it's just, yeah, anyway. So we had a great Thanksgiving. It was, it was awesome. Uh, last, uh, last Sunday, um, my wife and I, we occasionally will catch 60 Minutes um, you know, TV show on Sunday night. And uh, last Sunday, we, we caught a piece about a professional football player by the name of Tim Green. Actually, I actually have some pictures here of him. Tim Green, you hear about, anybody know who Tim Green is, heard about Tim Green this week? Uh, Tim Green, uh, on 60 Minutes last Sunday, um, basically divulged some, an illness that he has. But he was an all-star linebacker back in the 80s, 90s. In fact, he has a trophy room, and it's the, what's the highlight of his trophy room are not his trophies, in the, he has trophies, but it's these Im- pictures that he ha- has taken that have been taken of him sacking like name, famous quarterbacks, you know, them coming down, you know, Marino and all these quarterbacks that you know from back then. And uh, so he was a, an all-star linebacker. He, while he was an NFL football player, while he was playing football, he went back to school and got his law degree and became a lawyer. He's also a prolific writer. He's written 35-plus books, and uh, he's a, a, you know, a committed family man, has four kids, and a, and a loving wife. Uh, five or six years ago, he was in his house and he was cutting his fingernails with a fingernail clipper and he noticed that he was having difficulty uh, cutting his nails. And so, uh, you know, he thought, well, I, sh- I guess I sh- it happened, it's happened several times. So I thought, maybe I should just go to the doctor and check it out. So he went to the doctor and the doctor said, well, you know, you, you've had several concussions as a football player. You, uh, you know, you probably have some kind of nerve damage going on. And so it's to be expected after the, prof- after the profession you had chosen to to pursue. And so it continued on for a little while, and he decided, you know what, I need to get another opinion on this and go, go to another place. And so he went to another place, and after a series of tests, they told him that he has ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And he's uh, 55 years old. He's basically a, a day older than I am. And so he, they told him he has this Lou Gehrig's disease, this neurodegenerative disease. And I mean, can you imagine? how your world, this is what he looked like when he got informed that he has ALS, how your world can come tumbling down. Well, I was watching, we were watching the show, and what struck me in an interview is he was being interviewed by, by Steve Croft, and, and he asked him a, 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 some profound question, something related to family, and uh, Tim Green started crying. He's sitting next to his grown son, 
uh, 30-year-old son right next to him. And he reached across and he started grabbing his son's hand and squeezing his son's hand and tears were flowing. And, and after he composed himself, he said to Steve Croft, he said, um, I'm sorry for crying. These are not tears of sadness. These are tears of joy. And when I heard that, I have to be honest, because my wife and I, we're, we're watching, we're sitting there watching, we're both bawling at the whole story, you know? And when I heard that, just, I was shocked. I'm like, what? What are you joyful about? You have ALS. You're counting the days before you die. You, your body is wasting away. Your speech is slurred. You, can't, you have no muscular control. You can't even type on a typewriter anymore. How can you possibly be joyful? And so in that moment, I can't answer the question for Tim Green, but in that moment, I know I whispered a prayer in my own spirit. God, forgive me for the days that I've not been grateful. God, forgive me for the days that I've not been grateful. That prayer was, was kind of circling in my mind for, the day or for a day or two. In fact, the next day, I, I texted my wife, and I told her, hey, he was born on December 16th. I was born on December 17th. He's just a day older than me. You know, I was saying that stuff to my wife because I was just thinking about the piece that I'd seen on 60 Minutes. And then as I was thinking about it, all of a sudden I realized the words that I was whispering to God, forgive me for the days that I have not been grateful. And it hit me, yes, ingratitude is a sin, Ingratitude is something that we need to repent of. Ingratitude is something that we need to come to God for and ask for forgiveness for. I don't think that we, we think of it that way, right? We don't go around thinking, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm complaining, I'm whining, and it's a sin, I need to repent. But you need to understand that the Bible tells us in many places that we should be thankful and grateful, that we should always give thanks. In fact, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, not some circumstances, not when the market's up, not just when the market's up, right? Not when everything's going well, but in all circumstances, we are to give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Would you like to know what God's will is for your life? Have you ever asked that question of yourself? God, what, God, what, is, what is your will for my life? Well, according to Paul right here in Thessalonians, is to give thanks in all circumstances of life. This is not a suggestion. This is not a hint for healthy living. This is not, you know, it's not that. It's a command. And so if, if giving thanks is an act of obedience, then not giving thanks must be, or whining or complaining must be, an act of disobedience. And if it's an act of disobedience, then it's a sin that we need to repent of. And so I guess for this weekend, this Thanksgiving weekend, this is a very appropriate prayer for us to pray, right? God, forgive me for the days that I've not been grateful. Forgive me for the days that I've not been grateful. Now, I know you hear this and you think, okay, Rich, yeah, okay, I get it. Technically, it's a sin. But certainly, it's got to be one of those minor, it's got to be like uh, on the JV team of sins, not the varsity team of sins, Right? It's one of those sins that God winks at. It's like saying, gosh darn it, or some other kind of Christian cuss word, right? Certainly God doesn't take it that serious. not that big of a deal, but today we're going to look at a passage, a story in the Bible where it shows how serious God takes the sin of ingratitude. Now, as a little bit of a disclaimer, I just want you to hear me out when I'm talking about 
complaining and whining and ingratitude. Um, what I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about sharing your struggles and your difficulties with God or sharing your struggles and your difficulties with somebody that you love and loves you. That's not what I'm talking about. In Philippians 2, Paul says this, do everything without complaining. And it sounds like what Paul's saying is you should just never complain. Never complain, ever, all right? So that's the word of God for today, never, ever complain. But the word that Paul uses there, it's a very important word to use. He uses the Greek word is gongusmos, which actually kind of by definition is murmuring and grumbling. It has this, this connotation of more than just what you say, but how you say it. It speaks to the tone of what you're saying, what you're talking about. So he's not just talking about what you say, but how you say it. So you need to share your struggles with God. And when you share your struggles with God or someone who loves you, you share with humility, with vulnerability. You're telling them, I need help. God needs to help me. And that's very dis- different than complaining. Complaining, on the other hand, is fueled by ingratitude. It's talking about the negative attitude, the critical spirit, the whiny tone, where you never seem to find the good or positive in life. And the story we're going to look at this morning... <clears throat> Uh, you're familiar with. It's the story of the, the context is the children of Israel being rescued from slavery in Egypt. And I mean, you know the story. You could probably list some of the 10 plagues, right? Uh, you probably remember that God split the Red Sea and they, the Israelites crossed on dry land, dry land to the other side. They wandered in the desert for 40 years, the, the fire by night, the cloud by day. You remember those parts of the story. But have you ever asked yourself, why did it take 40 years. Experts say it should have taken 11 days. Why did it take 40 years for them to get to the promised land? Well, the reason is this word, gongusmos, complaining, whining, this attitude, this spirit of complaining they had, always seeing the negative, not having faith, Failing to see the positive. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11, starting with verse 4. I'm going to use a message version. It says, the riffraff among the people had a craving. I think oftentimes our complaining comes from the cravings that we have that are not satisfied. He says, the the riffraff among the people had a craving, and soon they had the people of Israel whining. Why can't we have meat? We ate fish in Egypt and got it free. To say nothing of the cucumbers and melons, the leeks and onions and garlic, they must have had bad breath or something. I don't know. But, but nothing tastes good out here. They're kind of complaining about the food being bland. All we get is manna, manna, manna. Now, to get this gungusmos word down, this complaining word down, we need to practice a little bit because there's a tone. When we read this text, 2,000 years or 3,000 years removed, we just read it as history. We're kind of passing by. We're not really catching oftentimes the tone that's there. But so what we need to do is we need to practice this, kind of with our best Jan Brady voice. You know who Jan Brady is from the Brady Bunch? You remember what she's known for? Can you say it? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. That's right. Except we're going to say manna, 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 right? Okay, so on three, I'm gonna, we're going to practice this, manna, 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 and we're going to say it like Jan Brady would say it. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Manna, manna, manna. Okay, I didn't really hear you, and I feel like a fool up here. So you do it. I'm not going to do it. Just, I'm going to count to three, and just do it again, right? One, two, three, go. 
Exactly. Now you get it. That's complaining. That's in goosebumps. That's what's going on. It's this whiny tone. One of the things I want you to catch from this story is that complaining is communicable. Complaining is communicable. It can spread from one person and infect an entire community. Here it says the riffraff, the NIV calls it the rubble. It was a small minority of people. They were, another version calls them the outsiders. It was a small group of people that were complaining, and pretty soon the entire people were complaining. It spread. And that's the way complaining works, right? One family member at Thanksgiving has a negative attitude, and guess what? Everybody gets affected. One or two employees at work, they don't like the, the new rules of the job, and they start complaining, and before long, everybody at work is complaining about it. Half a dozen church members are upset about something, and before long, everybody is upset about something because it's communicable. It's, it gets, it's contagious. It gets translated on. Ingratitude and discontentment are contagious because a person who is complaining is pointing out to the others what, what could be better, right? Like maybe it happened to you at Thanksgiving meal. Somebody says, is it just me or is, it, or is the stuffing kind of dry? Now you've been eating stuffing all day long. You've not thought about it as being dry, but somebody says, is it dry? And before long you're like, uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, I think it's a little dry. Because it's communicable. It's, it's contagious. Complaining is contagious, Right? And that's what's happening with these people, the people of Israel. It's a small group of people that have a negative and whiny attitude. And suddenly the whole community is complaining. Now on the other side of that, Thanksgiving is also contagious. You ever been in a place where you were discouraged? Struggling maybe? And somebody comes into your room and they start talking and they just have this upbeat spirit about them. They, they're funny and they start talking about, they say, even how they, they, they may not be telling jokes, but they, the way they talk is, is hilarious and funny. And before long, you find yourself laughing and you've kind of forgotten why you were discouraged because it's contagious, right? And this is not the first time the people of Israel were complaining about food. In Exodus 16, there's an example of this as well. They've barely left the driveway, They've barely left Egypt, and the kids are already in the back complaining. It's like, well, are, are we there yet? <laughs> are we there yet? They're complaining, right? What it says in Exodus 16, it says, In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. So this, again, it's contagious, right? The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out, of the, out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Do, do you hear what's happening here? There's like a revision of history. Like, like, like we were in Egypt and man, it was just, it was fun times with every day eating meat. It was like a hibachi grill all day long, every day. We were having a great time, and it was all-inclusive food, except for that one little minor thing called slavery. But everything was great. Here's something important about aspect about complaining. It's complaining creates complaints. It makes them up. As it starts fueling itself, it starts moving up. Before long, you start making things up. These children of Israel, they're just making stuff up. No, it was not fun times in Egypt. They suffered in Egypt. That's why they left Egypt, right? 
They didn't sit around and eat meat all day long. In fact, studies show us that when you complain, it does breed more complaining. Studies also show us that if you have a thankful attitude and you're constantly, you always find things to be thankful for. So despite their complaining, God is still a gracious father and he's patient with them and he, he provides food for them to eat. He gives them manna to eat, right? Now manna simply defined means what is it or whatever it is. Those kind of the idea of what manna is, what the definition of manna is. Now to be fair to the Israelites, that question of what is it or whatever it is is not normally associated with fine foods, <laughs> right? We don't normally want to go like, you know, tell our kids at Thanksgiving Day, says, we don't know what it is, but your grandma made it. It's some kind of sweet liver concoction from the old country. You've got to eat it, whatever it is, right? That's not, that's not encouraging to anybody, right? So to be fair, that's the, but remember the context. They were starving to death. They were starving to death. So what is it should taste good. And even if it doesn't taste good, at least it's satisfying something, right? God supernaturally provides manna for them. But instead of being grateful for food, they complain. They're not getting meat to eat. Eventually, God has had enough, and this is what he says in in Numbers 11, 18. He says, tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord, heard when, the, the Lord heard when you wailed, kind of another word that kind of connotes, you know, complaining or whining. If only we had meat to eat. That little whiny voice, I can't even do it very well. I'm not much of a whiner, except when I'm around my wife. Then she says I whine all the time. But um, it says, if only we had meat to eat, we, would, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. Sounds kind of scary from the Lord. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five days, 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. God's like, you wanted meat? Here's meat. You can have it. This is what you're asking for. And I think God's going to teach them a very important lesson that we need to understand that complaining oftentimes lacks perspective. Complain always lacks perspective. We get fixated on things that we don't have, fixated on things that other people have, and it breathes this complaining, whiny spirit inside of us. God provides manna for them. The people were starving, but the people aren't thankful for the manna. They're, they're frustrated because it doesn't taste good. They'd rather have meat to eat. They're complaining not paying attention to the fact that God, they're in a desert, they're starving, and God has miraculously, supernaturally provided for them. I don't know if you've heard of this. You might have seen there's a little symbol, hashtag you can find on, on Facebook or on, on, on Twitter. It's hashtag FWP, and it stands for First World Problems. You ever heard of that? Anybody heard of First World Problems? Hashtag FWP, you see it. Occasionally, somebody will write it on there. If you do a little search for it online, you'll find a lot of interesting comments. Here's a few that I pulled off online. Here's here's the first one I read. So frustrating to get home from the grocery store and not be able to fit the food in the fridge. I mean, you really have problems because you have so much food, it doesn't fit in your fridge. That's a problem. That's a FWP problem. 
Here's another person who says, this movie's taking so long, and they emphasize the S-O-O-O-O, so long to download. Hashtag FWP. Another person said, I'm so sick of eating all, at all the restaurants near work. Like, I've already been at all these restaurants near work. Couldn't they just open up another one? You know, I don't know where they were from, but maybe all they had was a McDonald's. I don't know, but they're just tired of it. But here's my favorite one. <clears throat> Ugh, I hate it when my Apple Watch doesn't register the right distance when I'm running on the beach. It cl it's clearly going to be one of those days, those terrible days when your $400 device is not registering miles right while you're running on the beach in Southern California probably, right? Your life is so, so messed up. <laughs> See, I think a lot of us can lose perspective. We forget how much we've been blessed. In fact, this is really one of my ulterior motives in asking you and inviting you to be a part of missions trips. Because uh, there's something that happens when we leave our familiar, you know, our familiar environment, our familiar circumstances, and we go to some place that's completely different. And we experience what they are experiencing and we see life from a different perspective. It kind of, it kind of adjusts our perspective meter. We come back and we see the realities of our life here in the States. Well, you see in this story that finally God has had enough with the children of Israel. And he basically tells them, listen, if you're 20 years or older, you're not going to make it to the promised land. Period. And so that's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years because God was waiting for this complaining generation to finally just die off, right? Because God has a plan for his people. He has a plan for his people. He has a purpose for why they were going to the promise. It wasn't just simply to save them out of slavery. They had a purpose of glorifying the name of Jesus one day, glorifying the name of God at some point, and one day Jesus coming out of that, out of that community. A plan to save the world. So in many ways, complaining is really just a refusal to trust God, a refusal to recognize the grace and the blessings that we've received from God. In many ways, complaining undermines the good news of the gospel. Complaining undermines the good news of the gospel. We've been called to be a light shining in this world, you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ. We're called to shine the light of the gospel, and when we complain... We undermine that good news. As followers of Jesus, Christians, we should be the most joyful. We should be the most thankful. We should be the most grateful. We should be the ones who, who, who really are smiling more than other people because we have received them, the, the, the amazing salvation from Jesus Christ. We've been set free. Jesus went to the cross for us. He died on a cross for us so that you and I could have life and abundant life. And so when we complain, whether it's at home or in the workplace, it's like, it's like applying a dimmer to the gospel in our life. It's like lowering the light. This is why Paul says, listen, do everything without grumbling and complaining. And later on he says, that way you'll shine like stars in the universe. Because you are shining the light of Jesus Christ through your life. God is so generous, and yet we complain. We complain about the job that we don't like about the kids that are not ready on time, about that spouse that just doesn't seem to do things the way they should do, about that wrinkle, that new wrinkle we found in the mirror this morning. We complain about all kinds of things, about that teacher or coach who doesn't get it. 
Or maybe the in-laws stayed way too long during Thanksgiving and were complaining. Our whining and complaining reveals our lack of awareness and understanding that God has given so much to us. That we have been blessed. We've been set free. We have something to rejoice about. We have something to be thankful for. So in light of this, maybe, maybe there's some gonusmos in your life. Maybe there's some complaining. Maybe, maybe you're the one that has that, it, of the family, have that negative attitude or that, of that always, you know, half glasses, half empty kind of attitude. Maybe that's the case. And so maybe what needs to happen this morning is that we just simply need to repent. Maybe it's appropriate this morning to say, God, forgive me for the days that I have not been grateful. Or maybe we need, actually need to be more intentional about gratitude. As I was preparing this week, I read that there's some people that, that do, I don't do this. Maybe I should, but I don't know. I don't know if I have the discipline for it, but, but they, they, they have a gratitude journal. And what they do basically, it's a spiritual exercise that you have a journal and every night before you go to bed, you, before you lie down in bed, you pull out the journal and you write three or four things that you're thankful for that happened that day. And that in doing that, it starts changing your perspective. You start seeing that God is actually involved and working through your life on a very regular basis. God is there. God is moving. And you see God regularly. What happens when we're not thankful is we think that we've been abandoned by God. We forget who God really is in our life. So maybe that's what we need to do. Be more intentional about being thankful and grateful for what God has done. So what we're going to do right now, I'm going to ask you to stand. Whining is kind of like the opposite of worship. Complaining is like the opposite of praise. And so what we're going to do this morning as a kind of a spiritual act of surrender, as a spiritual act of repentance, as a spiritual act of saying, God, I'm starting a brand new day today, is that we're going to worship God together. And what I want to encourage you to do as we're worshiping God together is I want to encourage you to just to whisper that prayer. Let it be that prayer coming out of you. God, forgive me for the days that I've not been grateful. God, I thank you for all the good things in my, that you've provided in my life. And maybe the next step is for some of you to basically call somebody out and say, hey, I appreciate you. I'm thankful to God for you in my life. I'm thankful that God has done so much good through you for, to me in my life. Amen? Amen. This is the Life Church Podcast. 